Welcome to Jonah Carey Podcast, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's guest is Will Brinson. Will is fantastic. First of all, you will find no finer writer of NFL things than Mr. Brinson. He is a colleague of mine at CBS Sports and does a fantastic job covering the NFL for CBS on multiple platforms, writing... You can see him on CBS HQ, which you should totally do, and also his Pick 6 podcast, which is smart and fun and great, much like Will. Uh, lots of really good stuff from Will recently. He weighed in on uh, Khalil Mack, that whole big gigantic trade and the Le'Veon Bell situation and all that stuff. So we potted, ported all that stuff over to this podcast and talked about some of those topics uh, as well as some of my pet projects in the NFL, first of all. Uh, I like the stylistic evolution of the NFL. I like the fact that little guys are taking uh, bigger roles now. I'm excited about Tariq Cohen, uh, Matt Nagy, who's the uh, offensive mind behind the Bears attack now. He is the guy who did a lot of cool things in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill and turned that offense into a real big power. And now he's going to work with Cohen, who's tiny. He's like 5'6". And it's cool to me when uh, sports do different things, like Steph Curry became a star in basketball. Oh, okay, so now maybe this will happen for Tariq Cohen. So I get excited about things like that when we get into uh, those topics. The Jags maybe bring back Smash Mouth football. Was it actually a good idea to draft Saquon Barkley number two overall this year in the draft? I, I just I, I want to ask questions because I because I am an outsider to football, but not a football outsider to be sure. Um, I. Don't have any answers, and so I almost ask out of naivete and kind of want to get to what if teams did this, and what if everybody tried this instead of that, or what if one team tried this, and so that's the kind of conversation that we have. It's uh, fun. He and I get into it, and then uh, at the end of it, there's some League of Leagues talk. You know the League of Leagues. That's my ridiculous three-sport fantasy league, which has gotten totally insane. I fell out of first place for the first time in like four months uh, last night, which is not my favorite thing in baseball. And Will is one of the teams uh, very much in the mix. And then football is about to start. And then basketball is on the horizon. So it's all craziness right now, uh, which is fun. Uh, less fun is the fact that I've been sidelined by a horrific bout of bronchitis. Uh, that's why this podcast is coming out on Friday instead of the normal Wednesday. I apologize for that. My voice and myself was able to rally. I had days and days of fever and delirium and whatever. Uh, but we were able to get the podcast up today. So I do hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much for being patient and all of that good stuff. Uh, speaking of good stuff, how about this week's sponsor, Zip Recruiter? And speaking of bronchitis, you know, I want to talk about not smart versus smart. So, for example, let's say that you have a dog and you walk your dog regularly and you have horrible bronchitis. Not smart would be trying to run with your dog like you normally do. That is extremely not smart. Smart would be staying home, drinking tea, sleeping and trying to get better. Next time I will learn my lesson. But you know what is smart? It's going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Jonah to hire the right person. Yeah, that's right. That's a segue for you. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sales sites on Trustpilot with more than 1,000 reviews. Right now, listeners to the Jonah Carey podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive URL. That's ZipRecruiter. 
dot com slash Jonah. That's ZipRecruiter dot com slash Jonah. Z I P R E C R U I T E R dot com slash Jonah. ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. Thank you to ZipRecruiter for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, some quick programming notes. So you know that I do uh, regular stuff for Sportsnet every week. If you are listening to this today, you'll, this will come out Friday afternoon. Um, check me out on Sportsnet uh, this evening right around 6.45, 6.50 p.m. Eastern, somewhere in there. Somewhere between the midpoint to the end of uh, Blue Jays Central, which is the Jays pregame show that runs usually 6.30 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's where it will be tonight. So right around that point in the show, uh, just because I, I took a shot at something that uh, in right written form, which you could – that's my next thing. Check it out at sportsnet.ca. I wrote an article trying to tackle the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. problem. The Vladimir Guerrero Jr. problem is that despite some teams getting more aggressive and calling up their best prospects, other teams just don't. They just don't. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did not need more seasoning, blah, 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 blah. He would have been a one-man wrecking crew. He would have been the best team on the Blue Jays. He would have made the game more exciting. Uh, people would have wanted to come out to the ballpark to see him. It would have been fun, and it didn't happen, and I'm annoyed about it. And so... We have established that this is a bad rule, that, you know, it's not that the Blue Jays are doing anything wrong. These are the rules of the road, and frankly, you know, they want to be good for years to come and make the responsible decision. You do keep your best prospect down further. So I tried to figure out a way to remedy that, to change the rule. So I imagine myself commissioner of the of, uh, for a day, I guess, through some fluke accident, no doubt, and tried to figure out how we could maybe fix this problem. And so um, that is where we're at, and I took a real shot at it. So check it out at sportsnet.ca, and then you can watch me on Sportsnet television uh, this evening around 6.45, 6.50 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, let me know what you think. Uh, you can go to my website and uh, drop me an email through that way since I do not uh, interact anymore on social media. Sorry about that. Uh, and that's it. So, uh, thank you to Will Brinson for coming on, uh, the podcast. He's really, really cool. Follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Read his stuff. Listen to the pick, listen and subscribe to the pick six podcast. He's a really good dude. And, uh, this is a really fun chat and, uh, football's here. So if you're excited about football, uh, you will not do better than hearing Will's opinions. He's really, really good. And, uh, yeah, you'll have a lot of fun with it. Here you go. Enjoy. Will Brinson, NFL season is upon us, which means that I have a great piece of art to play you. Are you ready to hear this piece of art? I am ready. Here we go. <laughs> the way to victory. Hit <laughs> him high. Eagles fly. Fly, fly, on the road to 
My goodness. How many Grammys did that win? How is this not the anthem of America? Great song. If I were going to pick a, a better sports song for a, a popular team that has struggled for a long time and then won a championship, uh-huh. I would go with uh, the Cubs. The, um, what's, how's the Oh, go Cubs, go. Yeah. Hey, I Chicago, like, what do you say? The Cubs are going to win today. Are you saying it, that's also worthy of that kind of uh, level of reverence? I feel like the, I feel like Go Cubs Go has the same sort of like, uh, you know, like the ride, Captain Ride vibe. If you get it caught in your head, it's like, you're like walking around like, Go Cubs Go. And you feel good about it. Whereas yes. the Eagles, Eagles sort of feels like angry, like a little bit like. Because it's the Eagles. Right, right. They booed their head coach during the, right before the halftime of the week one, the game immediately following the Dagum Super Bowl, Jonah. Well, first of all, the first time Dagum has been used on this podcast, I'm very excited about that. And also, listen, Nick Foles, obviously the heir apparent to uh, Joe Montana and Tom Brady and Dan Marino, and just an artistic performance. But he gets the job done, six and one, and starts, and he's the dink and dunk master. And maybe this team is so darn good that Carson Wentz is amazing, but maybe they're just going to roll everybody because they can have a really not awesome quarterback and, and beat a really good team anyway. Well, I think the things, so t- what the main takeaway that's going to come out of the Eagles beating the Falcons on Thursday night to open the 2018 NFL season. Yes. Well, yes. The, the main takeaway is that these refs got to put the flags in the pocket. The main, the other main takeaway yes. would be that the Atlanta Falcons have problems on offense. And I think that's fair to talk about. Okay. It's, but it's also unfair to, to not give the Eagles credit. I mean, yes. this is a team that has a great offensive line. They, they manned up late in the game and ran the ball effectively, pounded it with JHI near the goal line to take the lead. They have a great defensive line, sacked Matt Ryan, got pressure on him, and they snu- they, they smothered the, the Falcons in the red zone. And this is what the Eagles did down the stretch last year. I know that we think about Nick Foles' incredible Super Bowl, but when they beat the Falcons in the, in the playoffs, and when they beat, you know, when they, when they won their playoff, <laughs> uh, specifically the one against Atlanta yeah. and Phillips last year, they won it just like this. They got it sloppy. They brought it, they brought him down to their level and turned it into like a, a, a muddy boxing match and, and let Nick Foles make a couple of plays. Yeah, it's the, uh, what is this? Not uh, the Joe Flacco. This is the Trent Dilfer, uh, DNA, right? This is how they won the <laughs> Super Bowl all those years ago. So I, yeah, and, and it really does seem to be something there. It, it makes me, Wonder too, you know, um, I was reading, I can't remember who wrote this, but it was, it was a piece that was basically, might have been Barnwell, and he was saying that the number one most viable commodity in the NFL is basically getting a core, a really good quarterback on a rookie contract. Because quarterbacks are so crazy, it's insane the, the numbers you have to pay relative to the norm, even though quarterbacks should be making probably $70 million in guaranteed money, maybe more given the value that they actually give to NFL franchises. All contracts should be guaranteed and a pox on the NFL's house, but anyway. So <laughs> if that's the case, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because the Eagles really do seem to have filled out the rest of their roster really well with the money that they have. They spent money. They went and got guys. And, uh, you know, and then you look at the other contenders in the NFL, it's the same thing. The Rams with Goff, like, wow, they went out and they spent big money to re-sign their franchise defense, one of their franchise defensive players, and Gurley, and this, and that. And it's like, oh, the, the, the formula is really simple. And this is why 72 quarterbacks get taken in the first round every year. Because if you do hit it, oh, holy crap, you could go from being the Eagles, who are, you know, kind of were the Cubs of football to some extent, or the Rams, who are the sad sack Rams who played in St. Louis, da da da, to, oh, yeah, now my franchise is a $2.5 billion property and I can do anything I want to do. Yeah, and it's not, it's not wrong. I mean, look, let's talk about, let's compare. Uh, two teams in the AFC North when we talk about this and the, the idea that you can win with a rookie 
uh, a rookie salary or uh, a quarterback on a rookie wage scale yeah. salary is very true. Baker Mayfield, who's not actually going to start for the Browns, yeah. but is on a rookie was is the number one overall pick, just the most recent one. His cap number for for the next three years is five point nine, seven point four, and eight point nine million. That is obscenely Nothing. low. Yeah. So Flacco, who won't be on the Ravens after this year, but is under contract for the next three years with the Ravens, his cap number is twenty four point seven, twenty six point five, and twenty eight point two million dollars. I mean, you're talking about a twenty million dollar difference, Jonah, in in terms of what you can spend on guys, and and that's not. In the NFL, like in any salary cap league, you don't have twenty million to spend. You have twenty million in salary cap space to structure guys based on deals early on. And so, I think what you've seen from teams, the the, the most obvious example of this uh, this offseason was the Chicago Bears, who have followed exactly what the Eagles and Rams did to a T. They they realize they have Mitchell Trubisky on a on a on a rookie contract. Yeah. They get crazy and trade for Khalil Mack. They sign Allen Robinson, sign Trey Burton, bring in a, a, an offensive coordinator or a coach, excuse me, Matt Nagy, who's an offensive coordinator under under Andy Reid, and try to compete this year. They're in a tough division. They could still maybe do it on the on the polar opposite end of the spectrum. The Dallas Cowboys, who have not utilized Dak Prescott's obscenely cheap contract, it's the cheapest deal since Russell Wilson. I mean, this is how the Seahawks were ahead of the curve, by the way. They had Russell Wilson. Yeah. On that, on that rookie deal when they made their run. All defense. Okay. Killed with yep. defense. Yeah. For sure. By the way, we're ignoring the big question, which is, is Joe Flacco elite? We haven't really discussed <laughs> that enough. Um, oh. the, I want to go back to the Khalil Mack thing for a second because this is where my baseball and basketball, I love basketball too, sensibilities start to creep in and I start to become a little, you know, impulsively contrarian. Because, yeah, okay, you know, the Bears got this incredible player in the prime of his career, and that's all fine. But Khalil Mack's contract is a gigantic monster of a tsunami, and the Raiders were not going to be that good this year, and they got two first-round picks. It sends a bad message to the fans. It's on opening day of the season. John Gruden's an easy punching bag. If the other team in Oakland that plays, or, well, they don't, I guess the Raiders are, Vegas Raiders, but you know if the, uh, if the other Oaklandish team play did this, Billy Bean would be wow. Billy Bean, genius again, got rid of his superstar player and got all these young assets. We're compiling assets, assets, assets. Are we sure the Raiders did something stupid? I'm not so sure. No, I mean, I, well, for a couple of things. One, John Gruden has a 10 year, 100 million dollar contract. Do you? I mean, that you can't get that kind of job stability anywhere. Like he's guaranteed 10 years worth of salary, which which means that he is locked into the Raiders gig through at least 2020 when they will move to Vegas. Now, what they've now acquired is five first round draft picks. And leading up to the 2020 season, I think the concerns with Gruden is that a will he be able to make those picks in a smart fashion, right. and and b is he constructing this team? Does he understand the modern NFL in terms of roster construction? I, I think I don't mind trading your superstar or trading your aging veteran big name guy. Like this is what Bill Belichick would do. Of course he would. Right, but Khalil Mack is 27. He's 27 yeah. He did win a defensive rookie player of the year award on his rookie contract. He has 40 and a half sacks through his first four years. He's going to be in the defensive player of the mix this year. He's great against the run. He's a game changer on defense. And I think it's, it does send a bad message to the fans, uh, specifically about the 2018 season and yeah. what the Raiders are going to do and, and whether or not they're going to compete. But look, it, it, and then the other thing too is like, if let's say the bears over the next two years finish 
I mean, look, even if even if everything even if they play well, they could still go five and eleven and seven and nine, mm-hmm. which means that they give up a top five and a top ten pick, perhaps. But like, what's the best case scenario of that draft pick, Jonah? That it turns out to be did you draft Khalil Mack? I mean, like that's the thing is like if even if everything goes right and you and you hit on those two picks, maybe you get. Uh, Bradley Chubb and Leonard Floyd. Would you trade Bradley Chubb and Leonard Floyd for Cleo Mack right now? Yeah, you would because he's a game-changing superstar. Right, but you are getting that money back, and you could potentially sure. put – I don't know. Like, I mean, is Cooper coming? Is he at the end of his rookie deal? You could extend yes. him with that money. So, I mean, I'm thinking out loud here. But, yeah, it's, it's all flipping assets and moving them around and all that. But it's, it's, it's just interesting the way that goes. And, two to follow that point about assets, the other thing that it seems is that in the NFL – on defense especially, it's like, okay, we need a pass rush. Because the pass league now. It's not a, gra- a smash mouth league anymore. Now, so we need pass rush and we need secondary. We're going to ignore linebackers. And you and I are roughly the same age. I mean, I grew up with, you know, LT and Carl Banks and all these amazing – Derek Thomas and whatever. And Well, Derek Thomas was kind of a hybrid player and weird. But Well, but then but then trickle down to the Ray Lewis and Brian Erlach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- linebackers. And linebackers, it's like, oh, who cares? We don't need those. We need a run stuff. We need an Erlacher run stuffing. That's so ancient, whatever. Somebody's going to come along and game that a little bit too, it feels like, because if everybody goes to one thing, you have to zig when others zag. This is how the Patriots remain so good year after year. And arguably, it's how teams like the Eagles or the Jaguars can come up and surprise teams is by doing things a little bit differently. Yeah, and well, I think the move that that now you're starting to see people copy a little bit more is to have um, guys who maybe played safety in the in, in college football, yeah. got, but like big thumping safeties in college football who can also drop into the box and play against the run. Dion Buchanan types. The the OG of this was uh, Thomas Davis, who played safety at Georgia, drafted by the Panthers, moved to linebacker, but can fly around, but also be good against the run because you. Basically, you spend so much time in nickel now in the NFL, sixty yeah. percent of the time, that if you want to have a run stuffing linebacker, you you need him to cover as well. So you need a guy who can thump in the box, but also drop into coverage and play against tight ends. That's where the Bears, I actually think, did the smart thing too. They went out and got Roquan Smith, mm. who can go who can go sideline to sideline, but also lay the wood on anybody coming out of the backfield or anybody coming up the middle. You need a speedy. Hard hitting linebackers, they're hard to find, and and it's also tricky because, as we saw in that the contract negotiations for that, the, the Bears wanted to take his guaranteed money away if he got suspended for helmet to helmet hits. It's like what what you draft this guy to, and then like and then like don't want to pay him to do what he does best. Get out of here, dude. The union sucks, man. How did they let this happen? This is a disaster. The, the teams are all worth thirty quadrillion dollars. My yeah. God, and and you won't guarantee money. It's oh, and then oh, somebody gets a contract where it's like seventy million dollars guaranteed. Seventy million dollars guaranteed is a utility infielder in baseball. What the hell, man? Don't tell me baseball is more precarious profession than football is. I'll tell you two things about it that I think are fascinating to me. One is current, um, but also will play into the next CBA, and it's that there is a cycle here where the players and the agents who are trying to make change happen yeah. are guilty of perpetuating and helping out the owners because and the media to an extent, I guess, but when a guy signs a new contract, what numbers get reported, right? Like Kirk Cousins went out and got fully guaranteed deal and it's an easy peasy, yeah. hey, three years, 84 million. It's very simple. There's right. no BS about it. But most of the time, these agents are incentivized by the system to get their to get their guy the most money possible, and I'm doing air quotes here. People can't see it because it's an audio podcast. Yes. 
<laughs> but, 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 but what it means is getting people to report numbers that aren't real numbers. And as a result, it props up the contract, even though to the owners and to the GMs and the teams, it's not as much money they would, as they would get. And now the other thing that's going to happen in this CBA, and I guarantee you, I'm not, a, I'm not great at predicting things. I predicted the Falcons would win the Super Bowl this year, and it, that looks like a terrible prediction. This is not over. Right, yes, a lot of, lot of, lot of games left. But I can guarantee you that in the next CBA negotiations, that two things are going to happen. One, the NFL is going to hand over Roger Goodell's discipline. That's why they've been fighting tooth and nail in all these lawsuits for the last few years. They're going to be like, you know what? We're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to acquiesce to that. Uh, of course, that will be a, a point in the negotiations. And they're also going to be like, you know what? We think, we think players should be allowed to smoke weed. And those are going to be propped up by the union as two great points. Like, ah, oh, we fought for discipline. Ah, oh, oh, we fought God. for like, like legal marijuana usage in the, in the NFL. And those are going to be two points that they cave on. And the NFL is going to go, yep, let's sign a 10 year deal. No guaranteed contracts. Move along. Nothing to see here. Sure. We'll reduce the franchise tag to two years max or something like that. The, the, think about, think about the, for instance, the, the rookie wage scale. Which happened in the last CBA. And I, we don't have to get to CBA. No, no, this is all right up my alley. I don't go for yeah, it. Yeah, right. This is the, yeah, this is wheelhouse for you. And, and this and is I, what is relevant is you, you're, this, yeah. you're a person who performs a service. You should be paid accordingly. And in every other sport, well, hockey's weird, but in most other sports, you get paid accordingly. But think about how badly the rookie wage scale backfired on the union because when they instituted it, it made sense from both sides. Like they explained it. They're like, look. Sam Bradford and Jamarcus Russell are getting $40 million when they start out with having done nothing. It's making veterans mad. It, it ticks everybody off and we need to get that, get that money sent back in to the veteran pool, the middling veterans, the guys, mm -hmm. the middle class. We got to save the middle class. Well, if you look at the NFL as it's constructed now, and this is partially why the, the quality of play sucks a little bit more in the NFL, it's because teams figured out, uh, we're not going to pay these veterans this money. We're going to save this money, dump it into superstars, and we're going to get low-end rookies on cheap-ass deals who are drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And if they work out, we've got, we've got, we're, we're all, we're all Billy Bean. We're doing a Billy Bean dance party with this money ball situation on these cheap deals. And as a result, instead of investing in the middle class is what the union would hope would happen. The middle class disappeared. And now all these guys, like Le'Veon Bell, who's been the best running back in football for five or four or five years worked out on a second year contract. I mean, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott played on third round. They were getting like $600,000 a year despite being top 10, top 15 quarterbacks. It's crazy. It's backfired on them. Every time they try and do something like this, where it's a compromise with ownership, ownership fists them and it happened again. Well, you know, you've made a lot of cogent points there, but all I heard was you bad mouthing Jamarcus Russell and how dare <laughs> you, sir? How dare you? So the I, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to tell a story about my favorite. Please. My favorite, uh, stories are good. Tell stories. My favorite post ever at Fan House, uh, RIP Fan House. Fan House uh, was you, incredible. Yeah. You can't do this anymore on the internet because we're too serious in 2018. That's not but true. like Jamarcus Russell came in and, and, and weighed in at like 200 and, or maybe it was like 325 or something mm -hmm. like that. But like nobody had seen him. Um, and so I, he'd be like, he disappeared. He'd gone rogue. So I, I took like MS paint and did a circle. <laughs> and filled it with black for the Raiders and did like little head and did like two, four stick arms. And I was like exclusive photo of Jamarcus Russell. It was this big fat circle. But like, I, if I did that now, they'd be like, what, what are you doing? Were you a journalist? I mean, they like, it was in the halcyon days of the internet when things were fun. It was one of my favorite I, You know, we all, some of us remember those days very fondly. I enjoyed that <laughs> stuff. It was really good. 
All right, so the Le'Veon Bell situation, that was coming up next. I'm going to say this. Le'Veon Bell's doing the exact right thing. He shouldn't sign on Saturday. He should sign on Sunday at 12.59 p.m. as an even bigger F you. Oh, it's my own podcast. As a bigger... Wait, are they going to bleep this? Uh, fuck you. As a bigger fuck you. That's what I'm going to say. To, that will get up. I'll, so let me check where it is in the, uh, okay. Okay. Now I know. Because I'm <laughs> probably going to end up bleeping it. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. So, that's fine. so, so they're going to do this and I understand, you know, it's so, I have to tell you that I'm not happy with Le'Veon Bell's teammates. This is probably also an unpopular stance. If you just, Google Le'Veon Bell right now. You'll see a bunch of talking heads who are all saying, wow, what a selfish guy. Wow, what a selfish guy. Wow, what a selfish guy. No, he's not. You know, I understand what Pouncey and all these guys, other guys are saying that it's like, why are you doing this to us? It's ridiculous and you're supposed to be a stealer or whatever. Like somebody's got to stand up against the system. You said that the agents won't do it because they're going to do this thing. The union is hapless or whatever. The power lies in the hands of the players. If you look at the NBA, the NBA isn't run by law. The NBA union isn't run by lawyers. It's run by Chris Paul and LeBron James. You know, Le'Veon Bell is doing what he has to do for not only himself, but for some 12 year old kid who wants to be Le'Veon Bell, who's literally putting his life on the line by diving into the line 30 times a game or whatever. I don't have a problem with this at all. I think it totally makes sense to do this. Get yours when you can, because you know what? You're probably going to have CTE and be dead when you're 50, and that sucks rocks. That 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 is a that is a morbid way to put it on a well, Friday. Yeah! But it's not. But it's not wrong. I'll I'll say that a couple of points on Le'Veon Bell. Um, one, Brian Dawkins was on my Pick Six podcast daily NFL show. You can subscribe Great on podcast. Uh, and, probably and points- sponsored by Quip, the greatest electric toothbrush ever. <laughs> and also, yeah, it's all, but we all, yeah, so we have, yeah, we have the same sponsor. There you go. Um, the, uh, but Dawkins is like, look, you don't, you don't mess with another man's money. Mm-hmm. And he's right on. Like, I, I do think the one thing that is worth noting is that I think that the offensive linemen on the Steelers were probably under the impression that Le'Veon, from Le'Veon Bell, this is just okay. my speculation, okay. from Le'Veon Bell that he would be showing up this week and showing up on Wednesday because Marquise Pouncey came out and said, oh, he'll be here Wednesday. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I, now, I think what has happened, again, just just my my sense of it, is that Le'Veon Bell and his agent have engaged in some intelligent subterfuge by letting the Steelers know throughout the offseason, letting the teammates know that Le'Veon Bell is going to show up and play ball and be happy. They said he, our, you know, uh, his, his intent is for it to be the best season ever. The reason they did that, Jonah, is because it, the Steelers did – it would give them the impression he would be showing up, and therefore the Steelers would not invest heavily in the running back position early on right. in the draft or anything like that or in free agency. They didn't. They drafted Jay, my boy Jalen Samuels late in the fifth round, but he's not going to step in and be Le'Veon Bell. And so now what I think Le'Veon Bell's done is set himself up to stay away longer than one week. And you know why? It's the, 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 the biggest reason why is the football outsider's rule of 370, which has been around forever, and it states that if that you is. have a running back – who tops 370 carries in one season, he is very likely to have a big drop-off the following year. Le'Veon Bell's agent made it very clear in a, in a Sirius XM interview and in an ESPN interview that was all over the place. He believes, and he's not wrong, that the Steelers are going to bring Le'Veon Bell in and run him into the ground this season on a one-year deal, and why wouldn't they? And so I think if you do the math on it, 25 carries a game, very basic math, 25, yeah. 25 carries a game, if he skips six weeks and the Steelers go to the Super Bowl, if they give him 25 carries a game, 
he gets to 350 throughout the season. I think he's going to stay away four, five, six weeks because he doesn't want to enter free agency in his one shot to really get paid coming off a season where he has 400 carries. This is genius, and bravo to his agent, and bravo to Le'Veon Bell, and you know what? The Steelers might go to the Super Bowl anyway. They're a pretty good team. And by the way, if you have a cat, how have you not named him or her Marquise Pouncey? Obviously the greatest name ever for a cat. We need to consider that. Uh, although my cat's name is Pedro Martinez. so uh, That's uh, a good name for a cat. It, that's actually true. Um, okay, I want to go another direction. I love the, the big contrarian things. And um, I don't have many friends associated with the NFL or even our friendly acquaintances. But one uh, I've had on my podcast is a guy named Tony Khan. Uh, who's sorry. Got, that's my boy. Tony's the best. He's a yeah, super Tony's guy. And Tony. Smart, smart soccer guy, that Tony. Very Tony. smart. Fulham. Congrats to Fulham for getting back yeah. into the Premier League. Very cool. So Tony's working there and his dad, Sean Khan, of course, owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are saying, fat to all your passing attack and your, <laughs> oh, you have four wideouts. Woo. You're all running shoot. You think you're June Jones. Here you go. We're going to have. Big old road grading lineman. We're going to have Leonard Fournette. We're going to have an okay quarterback. And we're going to have the scariest defense we've ever seen. And we're going to have Tom Coughlin as our coach straight out of 1942. Wow. <laughs> Doug yeah. Marone is the coach. Tom Coughlin is. Doug Marone is Tom Coughlin's little puppet who's walking around. and like, I mean, not really. But, like, Tom Coughlin's now the the uh, the EVP, the football, football czar or whatever Correct. it is. But Tom okay. Coughlin's voice is involved with this uh, franchise. Oh yes. And, and we are going to make this work the way that everybody said the football was supposed to be constructed every year until whatever many years ago. And they almost made the Super Bowl that way. Again, going contrarian. And now the Giants go into the draft and Saquon Barkley is there and everybody says, well, if you take a running back, you're stupid. If you take a running back, you're stupid. Don't take a running back. Why would you do that? Anybody's running back. We're going to take Saquon Barkley and we don't care. We're going to run it back. They draft Will Hernandez. They'll probably draft four more Will Hernandez's, and we'll see. Now they have Beckham. It's more complicated. They haven't gone that full dimension. But this idea of if everybody says that something is wrong, maybe it's not wrong. Maybe the Jaguars are doing it right. Maybe the Giants are going to make the playoffs this year. I'm not so sure that Smash Mouth football is going to be dead forever. What say you? Well, here's the interesting thing about that Smash Mouth idea is that Money, you know this, and I, and most of your listeners probably know this, and I mean, I think I know this, but Moneyball is not a fancy way to beat people in baseball. Yes. It's economic principle whereby you find a market inefficiency. Now, let's, so what happens when the entire NFL starts drifting to 60% nickel? What, what happened? What, what did we just talk about? What, what do they do with the defense, with the defenders? Defenders get smaller and faster because you have to cover teams that are running 60% nickel. What's easier to beat smaller and faster defenders with? Smash mouth football. So that's the zig there. If you line up and you can pound it against smaller, like if, like the Atlanta Falcons, look exactly what happened last night when the Philadelphia Eagles needed to score. They lined up. They got big and they ran it down the throat of a team that is inherently designed to be faster and smaller and quicker and hit harder. And you can wear down the Falcons defense. We saw the Patriots do it in the Super Bowl. Yep. We saw the Eagles do it last night. And so I think that's the construct that the Jaguars are going with. I, for me, the Jaguars are really interesting because if you swapped out their jersey <laughs> color and the team name and maybe change the name of the quarterback – I think people would respect them a lot more. Yep. Like I think the Jaguars were just a kind of a running joke for a long time. Blake Bortles is the internet's like 
we're we're all sort of assholes on the internet, and it's Blake Bortles does something goofy. We're like, ah, oh, look at Blake, look at Blake, ah. When in reality, we should be looking at what the the way that the Jaguars with Tony Khan, yeah, who who came in at, and look, I I think this is maybe the biggest testament to Tony and and how smart he is mm-hmm. is that he came in as a billionaire owner's son, yes, named a VP position in a football in a football in a club where. Yeah. Men are men and tough men do things. And he's, he's become tight with Dave Caldwell, who grew up under guys like Thomas Dimitrov, who grew up under Bill Belichick, and Tom freaking Coughlin, who mm-hmm. is the biggest hard ass in, in all of football, but also, you know, a good person and, and a guy who cares a lot. Uh-huh. But I think that says a lot about how Tony has taken these ideas that are outside the realm of traditional football and blended them in. And that's what the Jaguars do well. They, 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 they figure out a way to blend analytics and to blend old school football concepts. I will point out with that running back thing though, it's interesting because you, you go back to the, um, 2016 NFL draft, right? Mm-hmm. The Dallas Cowboys took Zeke Elliott with a top five pick and he led the league in rushing that year. Yep. Their other option with a top five pick was Jalen Ramsey. And if they take it, if they taken Jalen Ramsey mm. instead, you don't have to go very far. To find out, uh, you know, to find an example of a running back who they could have taken perhaps in the second round or in the third round. And, and it's not a stretch to say that teams were interested, um, you know, in, in a guy like Derrick Henry in the second round or yeah. a guy like Kenyon Drake in the third round. I mean, to me, Jordan Howard in the fifth round. All yeah. these taken, I mean, like, I'm not knocking Zeke Elliott. He's an incredible player. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars went back and did the same thing with Leonard Fournette the next year. I just think that the, while there is value in the running back position, if you have a stud up high, you look at the last four or five drafts, teams could have taken a star at another position and then coupled it with a running back a few rounds later. You know, 2017, pick your poison. Do you want uh, Kareem Hunt? Do you want Alvin Kamara? Who do you want? And, and there was an opportunity to get more talent that will last longer uh, at a position other than running back. So does Saquon Barkley qualify? Is that a reasonable pick to make it to? I mean, he, he, the thing about sports is, yeah, you're obviously winning is the goal or whatever, but Saquon Barkley's so, like, fun and exciting and, like, cool. And he's it's like, I, you know, again, I'll try to go to parallels, but it's like, oh, we just drafted Ken Griffey Jr. He's obviously going to be good. He's a five-tool player, whatever. Saquon's like, he could catch 80 passes a year, and he can run you over, and he can run by you, and he looks good in a uniform. He could be a Nike spokesman. Like, this is the New York Giants. We signed a big old great star player. Why does your star player have to be your free safety? Why can't it be in a glamour position? Why is that bad? Is it stupid? I don't know that it's stupid. Well, no, no, it's not stupid. Look, yeah. Saquon Barkley could be incredible and he could help. I, but I think the difference is that they have a 37 year old quarterback in Eli Manning. Oh, and they, that they, all. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, hey, look, I, I am currently 37 and I know how it feels on my body and I don't play professional football. I'm 43. I have bronchitis and I feel like I'm 143. So go ahead. <laughs> you actually, you actually sound fantastic. I'm trying so hard. The coughing. Anyway, go ahead. The coughing's fine. Um, Tom I think the, <laughs> Coughlin. Uh, I, I think the big difference is, is that, you had an opportunity and you're picking in the second number two overall for the first time in 2018 mm-hmm. since you did it in 2004 when you drafted Eli Manning. And this was a very rare draft where there were lots of good quarterbacks yeah. available. You knew, factually knew that you could get one of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. The math is very, very, very simple in that yes. regard. Um, and to pass up on a potential franchise quarterback is a very risky proposition when even if Saquon Barkley 
leads the league in rushing twice in his first three years. And even if he's a borderline MVP candidate in his first three years, you are still going to have to, at the end of the five year, at the end of his four years in his, in his, in his uh, fifth year option, you're going to have to make Saquon Barkley an extremely highly paid running back. That's a volatile position where the drop off is steep. It is quick. It, it, it happens at a young age. And allocating a large percentage of your salary cap resources to the running back has proven to be a, a disadvantage. So yeah. while I think it's a good short-term move for the Giants in terms of infusing the team with life and that Saquon Barkley is going to run for a total 1,800 yards this season, yeah. I think that the, the long-term risk of passing on a guy who has franchise caliber uh, quarterback skills like a Sam Darnold is, is too great for me to pass up. Who do you like best of this class? You know, Darnold's getting the nod in week one. It's very interesting. I, I, I like Lamar Jackson. I just, there's, sure. something, he, there's something about him. He's just such a wild card. Like, I, I just, what's he going to be? You know, he's just got such a versatile skill set. But maybe Darnold's the guy. He makes good decisions. He's good in the pocket, whatever. He might just be just a, you know, the prototypical guy. But I, I feel like you can make a case for a whole bunch of different guys. Rosen was, is very talented. Mayfield was, Kind of came out of nowhere to a certain extent and to elevate himself to that status. It's really exciting to have this many, not since the days of quarterback Ken O'Brien and the boo. <laughs> not since those days, those days have we had so many different uh, exciting quarterbacks in one class, I guess. Um, well, it's interesting too because this big, like, I got a hot take for you. What if they're all good? I mean, what if, what, Amazing. if, what if five of them are good? I mean, yeah. it's totally. Like I, Baker Mayfield was my number one guy coming out, but I really like Sam Darnold. He was a close second. I think Josh Rosen is pro ready, and that the the idea that he is uh, a, a dick that like he can't be a good quarterback. Like all good quarterbacks are dicks. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a sarcastic millennial himself. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get why Josh Rosen being a jerk and a millennial would be a problem for for football players. Like. Most alpha males are, are jerk millennials in, in 2018, uh, at least the ones under 25. Mm. Um, I think Baker Mayfield is the WW. I think he is the, the a blend of Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Wow. And, and people got to just in terms of his ability to be a winner, which yeah. is a dumb idea, but it, it sort of does work. I understand um, what you're saying. He, he has great footwork. He moves very well in the pocket laterally. He can find those throwing windows like Drew Brees, like Russell Wilson does. He doesn't look to run. In fact, the guy who, who's looked to run the most out of this group has been Josh Allen, I thought, in the preseason, which is, which is very odd. Mm. Uh, I think, I think Baker's going to be good. I think Sam Darnold's going to be very good. I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, I, um, I, this applies, baseball and, and the NBA works like this too, right? Like, if you have a prospect who is younger, yeah. And exhibits a skill set at a younger age, like yeah, a Ronald Kuna versus twenty versus being twenty five and doing it. It's a it's a big plus because it means that they have much more room for growth. I mean, Sam Darnold is twenty one. I mean, he's gonna be the youngest starter uh, in the I think in since the merger, which is crazy that he's doing that. And Baker Mayfield a little bit older. Russell Wilson was a little bit older prospect, but that that mat, the the maturation in college, playing that many snaps over a long course, indicates greater success. Uh, Baker had a high score, and whatever the football outsiders uh, thing is that recognized Russell would be a good quarterback. Um, so I, I like all these guys, and I think it's interesting that the entrance of this great rookie class is occurring at the same time as we're seeing the exit of a great crop of legendary quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. The crossover has given us this sort of unprecedented stretch of, or at least year of great quarterbacks where in a normal season, Andy Dalton might be the 
dead center yeah. in terms of mediocre quarterbacks at 16, and I think he's probably more like 21 right now, which is a good thing for the league. Hmm. I like that a lot. Um, so one thing, again, you go with visceral memories. When, you know, when you're a fan who becomes a media person, you take a lot of your memories when you're a fan. And I can vividly remember literally quarterbacks carrying a clipboard that when you came into the league, you <laughs> carried a clipboard and it was given. And you cannot do that on the rookie scale now. Not just the rookie scale, but the modern media pressure and so forth. There's no way that you could sit there with a quarterback as, as tantalizing as Mayfield and Darnold and say, be patient. Four years from now, we might see him on the field. That would never happen. And certainly the money would dictate that would never happen. But are we losing something? Was there truly something to be gained by carrying a clipboard? If you were playing behind, if you were Aaron Rodgers as a rookie and Brett Favre was in front of you or whatever, you had that kind of thing. It, does apprenticeship matter? Do you think the quarterbacks of the bygone era actually benefited from that stuff? Or was it just, you know, veterans get theirs and you got to wait your turn, Rook, and that's the way that it is and this is the way the money scale goes? Uh, could there be something to be gained if the financial and... uh Fan pressure wasn't so great by having these guys sit and learn and go through reps a little bit longer. Is Sam Darnold being rushed, I guess? I think there is absolutely a case to be made that sitting and learning can help you. Tom Brady sat and learned. Yes. Learned. Aaron Rodgers sat and learned. Philip Rivers sat and learned. Um, Carson Palmer, I know that people might think that's – Carson Palmer's a borderline Hall of Famer who yeah. before his first ACL tear against the Steelers in the playoffs was playing at an MVP level. He sat and learned behind John Kitna, and he was the number one overall pick on the old rookie weights. I mean, like, like they drafted him number one overall out of USC, gave him a massive pre-CBA yep. contract, and then sat him behind John Kitna on the Cincy Bengals. Like, what are, what are we what are we even doing here? Uh, but, it, you know, it worked out, and I think it eases the pressure. I don't think that it's – as viable an option in 2018 because of the microscopic scrutiny that we like, we live in this microscope on a fishbowl type of situation 24 seven, just yeah. where like, all right, nothing's happening today. Why don't we zero in on Sam Darnold and, and spit out some hot takes? We're like, somehow the Browns are getting away with it. And I think it's because they've, they've actually done a surprisingly good job managing it where look, Baker's not our guy. I mean, Baker's not our guy week one, but they need to win. They badly, badly need wins for that fan base and for the front office. And certainly for Hugh Jackson, who is, I don't know if you know this, this is my favorite stat of all time. He's never won a football game for the Browns on a Sunday. What? Yes. His only win with his Browns coach over two years came against the Chargers on a Saturday oh on Christmas. Tyrod Taylor's not bad. He could win some Tyrod, games. No, Ty, Tyrod Taylor's underrated, criminally underrated. He's yeah, a great yeah. Guy. He had some crappy supporting cast at Buffalo. The Browns yeah. players are pretty good. He's if you look at Tyrod Taylor, I think this is the comparison that, that needs to be made more. When John Dorsey and Andy Reid took over in Kansas City, they went out and traded high draft picks for Alex Smith, a reliable, mm -hmm. high floor, low ceiling, athletic guy who doesn't turn it over. That's Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. That's exactly what Tyrod Taylor is. They went out and acquired him. He gives them a, he raises their floor. You go out and win six games and Brown fans are thinking everything's great. And, and then you can turn over, over to Baker Mayfield. I do think that what's going to happen in, and here's, here's a problem. If, if this is why the Jets can get in a little bit of heat here. So like if you start Sam Darnold and he throws six picks in two games, Where you can't you go, bench, but you can't bench him for Josh McCown. Oh and if if you start Tyrod Taylor and the Browns lose games, you can bench him for Baker Mayfield, but you can't do it the other way. Like you can't start yeah. Baker and then bench him for Tyrod Taylor. It's it's like giving up on the rookie, and, and it feels it looks bad. It looks like Deshaun Kaiser last year. So from that perspective, I think that you have to have an organizationally defined 
game plan. And and that sounds obvious, but teams don't do this very much. You have to go – the Browns are doing a pretty good job of it, and even in the face of hard knocks, it's, it's kind of impressive. You have to know going in, this is our plan, this is how we're going to operate, and you've got a ripcord there if things go south and you need to pull it for Baker Mayfield. All right, so who are your Super Bowl picks this year? Give it to me. Man, it seemed a lot better on Thursday before the Eagles. Ah, uh, Falcons and? Falcons and the Chiefs, actually. I think that, So uh, the Chiefs defense is horrible! Justify your love! Yeah, so, well, first of all, the Chiefs are gonna be fun as hell to watch. Oh they're yeah, be- their offense is gonna be ridiculous. They're gonna, they're, if you have, like, the backup, long snapper on the Chiefs, I think you're gonna win your fantasy league. We have to yeah, get to that I, too, but yeah, go ahead. Right, we we have a three sport, we need to add- With, long There's snapper. chaos going on right now, but yes, go ahead. Leagues, yeah, it is. I'm not happy. Fun. <laughs> I know, I know you're not. You're on a first yes. for yes. first time in like nine months of baseball. Yes. Uh, anyway, not not to get not to delve too far with that. So the Chiefs, I got the Chiefs winning the AFC. Uh, it flies against the logic of Andy Reid succeeding in playoff games, but I think <laughs> the, the 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 comparison I like to make is Alex Smith is a Honda Accord, lovely, fantastic car, safe, fun. You feel good about your kids in it. You're going to drive down the road forever, and it. it's not going to break down. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is a Ferrari and get a little reckless with it sometimes. It's going to, going to skid a little bit, going to, going to get the back end a little bit loose, but you can drive really fast and it's going to be fun and you're going to feel better about it. Uh, Andy Reid's offense. I trust Andy Reid with quarterbacks. I think that it would be stupid not to trust him when it comes to making decisions about who to play with quarterbacks. He's shown a, an incredible uh, ability over the past decade plus to 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 find the best quarterback situation for his team at every stop, uh, and I think the defense has stunk in the in the preseason. There are going to be a lot of overs. I like the over this week, forty eight for the Chiefs and Chargers. Um, I like the Chiefs over a lot this year, but Eric Berry's going to come back. They have Justin Houston and D Ford. They signed Hitchens, who can be a middle linebacker and slow things down. Chris Jones is better than people think. They got you know Kendall Fuller on the outside. I think their players are there to kind of. Like they have enough of a, a defense where they can slow down the run if they need to and create some turnovers that it can keep up with the offense and be just good enough. Okay. I just I just don't like to go with the Patriots, and I think the Chargers' love is a little too excessive. I think the Steelers are going to miss the playoffs because of this Le'Veon Bell stuff and the dissension and and how things their defense is is going to be a trash fire too. Um, and, and then I, the Falcons look that loss on Thursday night against the Eagles stinks. Uh, it sets up poorly for them because they, they, it's a game they should have won, and it is a huge notch in your belt if you can get that win in Philly and help get yourself yeah. close to, to a number one seed. Um, but I still think Atlanta can can figure it out on offense in the red zone, and, and that defense can really coalesce and come together with a bunch of young guys. So the NFC is going to be insane. It's Way better pick- than the AFC this year. Way it, better. Yeah, if you're picking – I mean, like, I didn't do this, so I'm sort of an idiot, but if you're if you want to do the – um, economic, or the, if you want to do the money ball pick, mm-hmm. the move is to pick an AFC team. Like, cause you can go with the Jaguars, Chargers, You're not or going Steelers. against the field. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's a much less crowded field. They're much more likely to get in. And then you just got to win once in, um, in, uh, in, in Foxborough, maybe. Uh, the dark horse that I took a flyer on in Vegas at 50 to one, the Baltimore Ravens. On the assumption that Jackson will be a Deshaun Watson kind of factor in the second. Oh, I think I think Joe Flacco is going to be out. He's elite. You've just proven it. You put money on him. He is elite. We have answered the question. Joe Flacco is in fact elite. At the age of thirty, Alex Smith. This doesn't happen. Like, how often does this happen in baseball? I think Adrian Beltre maybe did it, but like at the age of thirty, um, Alex Smith developed a new skill set and just started becoming a great deep passer. I think that the, uh, I don't think it was him something changing physically. I think it was something snapping mentally. They draft Patrick Mahomes. He said, "I'm sick of it. 
I'm sick of it. I'm going to throw it deep. F it. I'm throwing deep. And I think you're going to see the same sort of thing from Joe Flacco, a pissed off Joe Flacco with his back against the wall. After they drafted Lamar Jackson, he's going to have a, uh, not a, not an MVP season, but if he throws your 4,000 yards and, and 25 touchdowns, that's a great Joe Flacco season. Sounds like you're saying that like me, John Brown is your number one favorite sleeper in uh, fantasy football. John Brown is good. He's good. Is the deep threat on a team with a pissed off and elite Joe Flacco. I think you see, I, I'm calling, this is my bold prediction for the weekend is two John Brown touchdowns. Deep. Woo! Let's see who owns John Brown in the League of Leagues. That's me! All right. Is your fantasy team, do you like your fantasy team in League of Leagues? So, okay, so let's qualify with the League of Leagues. Do people, Bill Ryder and I talk about this on his CBS Sports HQ show frequently and his radio show, and I don't know if like, like, do people listening, is it, is it widely, like, to me, I'm like, I mean, obviously I'm in it, so I'm, it, it, it takes up a large percentage of my life. Do people know about it generally, do you think? No. (laughs) <laughs> I, first of all, I've detached from social media. And secondly, my pot, like I had Jackie McMullen on last week. She wrote a, a series on mental health in the NBA. I'm not gonna be like, Jackie, what do you think about the fact that the Brinson and Mayo are bringing down my neck in baseball? What do I do about football in my three sport fantasy league? No, 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 no. That's not gonna happen. Right. Uh, yeah. So, the legal leagues for people don't know. Uh, this was actually originally the idea of Dave Damashek. May he rest in peace. He's still alive, but he just left the league. But anyway. On Sheck's podcast. Uh, Sheck's the best. I've been on his podcast. His podcast is first. awesome Shex. and everybody in the NFL is great. So, um, uh, he came to me, he brought me to the farmer's market in LA in like 2009. He said, we should start a league. This is how old the references were where you could trade. I believe he said something like Allen Iverson for Jerome Bettis. I'm only slightly <laughs> exaggerating, but that was the idea was that you could trade guys within leagues and you could do whatever you want to do. I said, Oh my God, this is the best idea ever. Damashek and I co-founded this league, I think in 2015. This is only year four, which is insane. Um, but anyway, so it's baseball, basketball, football in one league, in one league. You draft in one day. It's 60 rounds. Uh, you have, you can have up to six keepers and you, one of the things you're drafting is actually the right to pick a slot within the rookie draft, which is how I ended up getting Saquon Barkley because I was very, very aggressive because I thought, well, I can get Saquon Barkley. Why not? Anyway, so it's super fun, and it is incredibly nerve-wracking to actually be in it. I've been leading baseball pretty much since day one this season, and for the first time all season, right now, this morning, I am in second place in the League of Leagues. Uh, Patrick Mayo has passed me. Patrick Mayo is a terrific fantasy writer uh, in many sports. And in third place is the Brinson yeah. Busher team, which is bringing down my neck, which is doing really well, and has very good assets in other sports, too. So, yes, that is established. My football team in the League of Leagues is pretty good because Gurley and Barkley are my running backs. That's, that's a, not that's not bad at all. So uh, that's a good spot to be in. That's a good spot to be in. Now I'm having fun because it's essentially stars and scrubs. Not stars and scrubs. Like my first two receivers are Fitzgerald and Tate. That's fine. But it's I'm not, like, no. But I'm finessing the rest of my roster. I'm like, I'm just gonna wait on tight end because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go get Kelsey or Gronk. I'm gonna take Tyler Eifert. And if Tyler Eifert is healthy. Then Dalton's gonna have red zone targets all year long. They have a crap schedule. Like they're playing the Colts this week. If Tyler Eifert is on the field, he's gonna score a touchdown for sure. He will. So that that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking about. And my number three receiver, like I had Jamison Crowder, who on chalk, like in everybody's ratings, was I don't know 35th. Next I was 45th, 46th. But like at that point, it's all the same. So I'm like, I'm just gonna roll with like Kenny Galladay, Tyler Lock, and John Brown. They're all about the same guy anyway. And Galladay is, is a better football player, probably, they're more talented than any of these guys. And we'll see what happens. So we'll see. It's all based on injuries or whatever. 
A hundred dollar fab bid just went up for Alfred Morris this week, which was unbelievable. That I, that had to be Dalton Del Don and not Chris List. It was Dalton Del Don, and he had, uh, but he had Jarrett McKinnon. So I understand the panic. Oh, of course, like the crazy part about this league too is that. So uh, I just we just traded Devin Funchess. Oh yes, and, nice and, trade. Uh, and Miles Mikolas, who's a great keeper, but not a high, high <laughs> very good pitcher for um, incredible baseball guys. Yeah, yeah. Timbo uh, Arenado and Scherzer. Right, but like a six-week rental to try and catch you in K's. Uh-huh. And then we added, I was like, all right, give me a, I was like, we need a football guy because we're sitting out Funches. Who, Breida, Matt Breida looks like the worst guy on your roster. And then Jarek McKinnon tears his ACL like as the trade is processing. That's it's, right. but it's just, I mean, it's just crazy. Like we, we traded, um, our rookie pick for Kinley Jansen, um, AJ Green, and we sent out Corey Davis too for AJ Green and, and James Paxton. So like we've been on the other side of it. Kinley Jansen developed a heart problem as soon as we traded for and him. Paxton and went on the DL too with a back issue. So I mean, like, he got hit by a liner or something like that. So I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, like it's sports are random and hard, and this adds so many complex layers to it that it's it's been it's been ins- I mean, it's it's insane to deal with, but it's fun as hell. It's so fun, and it makes it it changes the way you view the calendar. Like if you're a fantasy baseball guy. And you, like, if you play these sports, let's say you play all these sports individually, okay? So your fantasy baseball team sucks. You're like, you tune out by May or whatever. Now you're like, well, maybe I could leverage my 47th <laughs> round baseball guy into a tight end or a small forward or whatever. And it just, it all blends together. Like, nobody's thinking about the NBA now, but now you're giving thought to, oh, am I going to trade Otto Porter away in this deal? Because I like my basketball team, but football's coming up and I don't know what's it. Like, it's so fun and you always think about sports. And as two sporty people who are paid for our sport opinions, I say everybody should think about sports all the time and therefore do three sport fantasy leagues. I, I, you're not going to hear me complain. Look, I, I, I would say t- I've got two more things I, I like to think about with this league. Please. Last year, last year we had a, um, we drafted Larry Fitz. We actually had Larry Fitzgerald and Golden Tate and, oh, uh, and Demarius Thomas as our receivers. Oh, wow. And, Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, well, but they're like high floor guys. Yeah. High ceiling guys. And I think that was something I discovered. I'd rather have in football. It's because you and I, we played each other last year. And after we beat you, you put your whole team on the trade block because you were under 500 out of the playoffs. And then there was a a, a statistical change on the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Flipped the game. You won. Uh, We lost. And we had to put our whole team on the block like that's the fine line in football that I'd almost <laughs> go for broke because you could draft a really good team and still miss the playoffs. It, it, it happens all the time. So I, that's why I like your, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but your bench has Tariq Cohen, Ted Ginn, Tyler Lockett, and John Brown, who are not going to be guys that get seven or eight catches a game, but yeah. they're going to get like big, like if you plug, if you're plugging them in, they've got massive upside. I love Tariq Cohen so much and the Matt Nagy system, Nagy Nagy. Uh, I think I think it's Matt Nagy. It, it's a Hungarian name. I should know this. My family's Hungarian. All Hungarians are Nagy. Anyway, uh, that's Tyreek Hill, right? That's the same. The, wow. Yes. The, the, yes. I mean, Tyreek is small. Cohen's smaller, but it plays theoretically plays a different position. But same sort of thing. Yeah, I love this idea, and I love kind of uh, football has the ability. It's a space game, right? Like baseball, you have to play this position or whatever. Basketball and football. You have positions in basketball, but it doesn't really matter. You can put this guy on the court. Porzingis is seven foot three and can shoot three pointers. You could decide to do this thing with the skill position player, or whatever. It doesn't really matter all that much. And I like there should be a space for really small football players. They're very fast. 
And this is a speed game now, and this this is fun. I I really am rooting for Tariq Cohen. The only other football league that I'm, I'm not really in it, but my brother-in-law drafted the other day, and uh, it's an auction draft. We're, we're, we're going deep on our own leagues, but I don't care. This is my podcast. Um, he It was an auction, and he already had Zeke at a billion dollars and Michael Thomas and Fitzgerald cheap, and it's two RBs and two running backs, uh, two running backs and two wide receivers, no flex. And mm. so everybody's doing this league wrong, and they're like, well, I'm going to spend $50 on a quarterback. I'm like, get a $1 quarterback and get superstars at <laughs> your four positions, obviously. So we got Alex Smith for a $1 quarterback or whatever. But we wanted Saquon, and we had $63 to spend, and Saquon went to 64 and we couldn't get him. So oh. we got Antonio Brown for 62 So now we have Antonio Brown and uh, Michael Thomas and Larry Fitzgerald. So we traded Kenny Galladay, who's nothing, for Tariq Cohen, who's nothing, and now our running backs – are Tariq Cohen and Zeke Elliott. Okay, fine. But anyway, the point is, uh, I don't love the, sorry? Don't pay for quarterbacks. Don't pay for quarterbacks. But, By the way, you know, you know the bump in Alex Smith is, if you look at Kirk Cousins' past three seasons yes. in Washington, yes. he averaged 50 more passes per year than Alex Smith averaged per year in Kansas City. Alex Smith's gonna be a great fantasy quarterback because his volume's gonna spike this year. I like that a lot. But Tariq Cohen, like, I hope that football keeps pushing the envelope. It's good that things change. It's good that I, I made light of June Jones and Jerry Glanville, but the run and shoot was fun and it's fun. I mean, you know, if people went to nickel, like did it like a wishbone that could be fun. Like I like the idea that there are no limits as long as you have six, six guys on the line. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's six. Yeah. Six. You as, long, guys. Right. as long as you have six guys. In a line, you have a certain number of guys in a stance. You could do anything that you want to do. And so even though I have a lot of – listen, football in terms of no guarantee contracts, in terms of head injuries, in terms of all that stuff, I don't like where that's at. I think that's a result of crappy unions and owners just flexing and doing whatever they have to do. But stylistically, the sport is in a good spot, and I think that there's a lot there. And I really, really would like to see – like Steph Curry's a superstar in the NBA. Give me lots of Tariq Cohen's and Tyree Kills. I want to see small guys do stuff. I think that maybe we'll see this more and more. I'm excited about this. Well, I, I think the reason that why you can see that more and more is exactly why Matt Nagy is there, right? If you look around the league at what – who's being hired right now – Yeah. There, Andy Reid, who is a tremendous offensive mind, who we talked about, <coughs> has his handprints all over the league. Matt Nagy is his former offensive coordinator. Yep. Doug Peterson, who just won last night, mm-hmm. and just won well, his former offensive coordinator. Frank Reich, who was Doug Peterson's former offensive coordinator, just hired by the Colts. Sean McDermott grew up under Andy Reid in Philadelphia and was oh. his was the guy who followed Jim Johnson as defensive coordinator. Ron Rivera is a guy who coached for. What Andy- about Ron? Riverboat Ron, right. Even he changed sort of the way that he operates. John Harbaugh was the special teams coach for Andy Reid. Wow. And so I think even though the like Harbaugh and Rivera aren't quite as aggressive in terms of what they're doing with these, I like to call them OW players, offensive weapons, like yeah. Tariq Owen and Jalen Samuels, guys you can move all around. Christian McCaffrey, that type. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I think that you're seeing people understand that in order to – Win at football. I mean, football is all about mismatches. It's all about putting a guy, it's all about in leveraging space. guys in space and to create mismatches. And so if you have somebody who can be a mismatch by running through the line as a, as a ground, you know, as a guy who can just run between the tackles, but also split out wide and get on a, get a linebacker on him, that's what you want. And so these positionless guys have really come into vogue. Yeah. It's, it's all great stuff, as was this podcast, Will Brinson. Uh, I am terrified of what's going to happen in League of Leagues. My empire is crumbling. My guys can't hit. I'm very angry. 
I have bronchitis. Uh, I'm sorry for bringing it up. I didn't know. No, but we had to talk about the legal leagues. And also the season is not over, so we will see how it all goes. But this has been a treat, and uh, I really appreciate the time. Check out the Pick 6 podcast on CBS Sports Platform, and check out Will on CBS HQ, and also his great writing on the website. Will Brinson, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you for coming on the show. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me.